Let's pray. Father God, as we gather round your word this morning, speak to each one of us. Help us to hear what you would say to us. Help us to welcome your word. Help us to receive it as gospel. And help us to follow you. In Jesus' name. Amen. One of the most successful film franchises in the early part of the 21st century was the Bourne films. They're action spy type movies. And there have been five films in the series so far, mostly starring Matt Damon as a trained assassin called Jason Bourne, after whom the series is named. The first film in the series was called The Bourne Identity, and it begins with some fishermen dragging Bourne's unconscious body out of the sea. Clearly someone has tried to kill him. He has a couple of bullet wounds in his back, but somehow he survived. He wakes, but he's suffering from extreme memory loss. He can't remember anything, including who he is. And a large part of the plot of that first film is his character trying to discover who he is and trying to stay alive long enough to find out. Those questions of identity. Who am I? Well, we all face them from time to time. If someone asks me who I am, I might give different responses depending on who I'm speaking to. When I'm in Belfast, I might introduce myself as Andrew, Lila's son, or David's brother. Or when someone rang our house recently and asked for Julie, or I introduced myself as Julie's husband. In other circumstances, I might use my title Reverend and say I'm the minister of this church. Much of our identity is wrapped up in our relationships and jobs and so on. But are any of those things really who I am? What would happen if those things were stripped away from me? Because life has a habit of changing and confusing things like that. Redundancy, bereavement, divorce or indeed birth, new job, marriage, they all alter who we think or say we are. And it's those kind of questions I want to spend some time thinking about over the next few weeks. It's not so much a who do we think we are series as a who does God say we are. It's an invitation to see ourselves through God's lens. Who does the Bible say I am? Who does it say you are? Because that's an opinion worth hearing. In this morning's reading, John describes Jesus as the true light of the world. The light that illumines everyone in the world. You didn't think you were getting through the whole morning without a duck, did you? But one of the things that light does when you switch it on is it shows you things as they really are. 
So over the next few weeks, I want to allow us to stand in the light of Jesus and all that he has done for us and ask, what does that reveal about what God thinks of us, how God sees us? In our reading today, we came across part of that identity. Today's passage is probably more often associated with the Christmas season than the period immediately after Easter. You know, it speaks of Jesus coming amongst us. Those words, the word became flesh and dwelt among us full of grace and truth, are part of so many carol services. But in that reading, we also discover the reason why Jesus came. We discover the identity that God wants to offer us and that Jesus came to bring, came to bring us. To all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God children of God. Throughout history, people have longed to know that their gods are listening to them, that their gods care about them. People have gone to all sorts of lengths, sometimes really horrific lengths, to get their gods on their side. But John tells us that one of the main reasons Jesus came was to show us that God already was on our side. That Jesus didn't come to make us God's subjects or slaves. Jesus came to reveal to us what God was really like so that we might believe him, receive him and become God's children. Jesus came that we might know God as our Father. Now I realise that word might be loaded with all sorts of positive and negative baggage. Jesus came so that we might know that God cares for us infinitely more than even the best expressions of fatherhood that we ever managed to encounter on earth. Jesus came so that we might know God loves us, is listening, that God does care and that he can be trusted if we place our life in his hands. Jesus came to give us a new identity children of God. It's probably the richest identity we could possibly have. But you know what? If we're honest, it's hardly the most sought after. There's no massive rush to claim it. In fact, in John's reading, or in the reading from John this morning, we find, we might call it, the unwanted identity. 
People often say that if God really wanted us to believe in him, he should have given us more evidence. Oh, if only God revealed himself, they say. If only God made himself really obvious. If only God really showed that he cared about us. Then I'd believe in him. Then I'd worship him. Then I'd do what he says. Well, John doesn't let us off that lightly. John tells us that God has already done all that. But on the whole, we didn't accept it. He came to the world he created and that world didn't recognise him. He came to that which was his own and his own didn't receive him. Those words, recognise, receive, we use them in a few different ways. But as John's using them, it's quite strong language. I mean, if I was walking down the street and I saw an actor from EastEnders or basically any other soap opera in the street, I probably wouldn't give them a second glance. I don't watch the programme, so unless they're really famous for something else, uh, you know, or they've been in something else I'll watch, I probably wouldn't notice them. And to be honest, I don't think they'd be that bothered. I think they might be quite pleased that they could get the shopping done without somebody coming up to them and saying, excuse me, are you so-and-so? But if I blanked one of you in the street, or vice versa, that would be different. How would it make you feel? I mean, I know you. I'm supposed to care about you. So why would I behave like that? Well, it's that sense of blanking someone you know that's going on when John speaks of Jesus coming to his own, but his own didn't receive him. And we have a number of usages of that word receive. We can talk about a committee receiving a report or someone might receive a petition. All we're saying is that they acknowledge it's there. It doesn't say anything about whether they agree with it, whether they'll pay any attention with it, whether they plan to do anything about it. Like, just say, for example, imagine we were receiving a report. Say we were back in the church building. And the speaker comes in, he walks up to the front. And then imagine we all just turn away from it and face the back. As he begins to speak, I start blasting music to drown them out. What impression do you think they would take away with it? Because that's getting closer to John's meaning. There's nothing polite in John's usage of the term receive. Jesus came to show that God loves us and wanted us to have a real relationship with the Father. He wants to make us his children and he wants us to know him intimately as Father. And Jesus came to make that possible. But many didn't want to know. In fact, they did their utmost to shut him up. 
And it was precisely those who should have been most expecting and most welcoming of Jesus who refused to listen to him, who rejected him, who ultimately sought to destroy him. Verses 10 and 11 describe perhaps the worst kind of rejection. The world was made through him and it was his own people or own world that he came to and they rejected him. Being rejected by someone you've never met or barely know, that's one thing. Rejection from someone close to you, who's supposed to care about you, that's very different. There's a story told about the 1936 Olympics in Berlin and Jesse Owens won four gold medals. Hitler was said to be furious that a black man was winning medals at his Aryan Games and it was claimed that Hitler snubbed Jesse Owens by leaving the stadium rather than greeting him and shaking his hand. But what happened when Jesse Owens returned to America? Well, there was a parade held in New York in his honour. It was followed by a reception at the Waldorf Astoria and Jesse Owens' parents travelled to New York for the festivities. But there wasn't a single hotel that would let them stay there because they were black. To get to his own reception, Jesse Owens was made to take the service lift because black people weren't allowed to use the gas lift. He received no telegram from Roosevelt. He had no invite to the White House. And in later years, Jesse Owens would say, Hitler didn't snub me, Roosevelt did. He came to his own, but his own did not receive him. Well, Jesus came to his own world and they refused to recognise him. He came to his own and they didn't receive him. Throughout history, humans have tried and done all manner of things to get God on their side, to make God notice them and care about them. Then Jesus showed up to reveal to us the security of knowing that we are God's children and that we can know the intimate care of his fatherhood. But so often we reject it. We didn't want to know. But lest it get too depressing, that's not the only response he got. There were those who did receive him, who did believe in his name. And if they and if we receive him and believe him, then we do or can have this new identity, the identity of being children of God. Now, there's a sense in which we are all God's children. We all owe our existence to God in much the same way as we owe our existence to our earthly parents. To an extent, who and what we are will be a product of their characteristics, how we're nurtured and so on. But there's a difference between paternity and fatherhood. 
All the genetic stuff and even some of the nurture stuff can happen without any bond of intimacy or love ever developing. You, even if you grow up with a person, you can take all that, you can leave home and never bother with the family again. And I know this will not be a perfect analogy and the families can be so much more messed up than this. But we could also be within a family and recognise all they've done for us and recognise a sense of debt that we owe and try to become the kind of children that would make our parents proud. And a bond of intimacy can develop that however far we are from home, we still remain close. We still know whose child we are. In legal terms, both types of children have the same status. But in terms of quality of relationship, surely the second becomes a child of a father in the way that the first doesn't. And it's that second sense that John is talking about when he speaks of becoming children of God. But what does he mean by receiving and believing? Because we tend to use the word believe in a kind of very intellectual way. There's something more to what John is saying than that. It's like imagine for a moment you're stood at the bus stop at Harrow and the Hill station. And you're wanting to get to Hatch End. And the H14 pulls up. And it says Hatch End on the front. You can believe up here as much as you like that if you got on that bus it would take you to Hatch End. But if you actually want to get to Hatch End you have to act on it. You have to step onto that bus and allow it to take you there. And that's kind of what John is saying here. You can intellectually believe that God loves you and wants to know you and hold you in his intimate care. But it's another thing altogether to take Jesus at his word, to put yourself in his care, to do what he says, even or perhaps especially when things get tough. Most of us could probably stick with God when it all made sense and the outcomes are the way we would want them to be. Do we still believe that God knows what's best for us when what he's directing us towards is taking us down roads we would not have chosen? It's those who will stick with God in those times that will come to know the intimate care of being a child of God as Jesus came to offer us. In my marriage, when do I really know that Jules loves me? Oh, the good times are great and there are plenty of them and I'm grateful for them. But really it's in the tough times when she stands by me, helps me, puts up with me, listens to me. It's then I know her intimate care and she knows mine. Life has a habit of throwing stuff at us, 
But those are the moments when if we truly believe in God's care for us, if we'll truly take Jesus at his word and allow him to shape us and we continue to follow him, those are the moments when we will truly come to know our identity as God's children. Those are the moments when we will experience the intimate loving care that Jesus came to bring. Those are the moments when if we believe him or if we take him at his word, if we receive him, if we'll stick with what he said, those are the moments we find ourselves drawn into that relationship of being his children. That's when we start to discover our identity as a child of God. But John says a couple of other little things about this identity. The first thing is that it's universal. Jesus, or John says that Jesus would give this to all who would receive him. Now I seem to have spent a lot of time explaining lots of words this morning. So let me just explain one more. When John says all, he means all. God has opened it up to anyone who will take it. It's not something we've earned. It's not something that God reluctantly feels, oh, I have to give them it now. God's not means testing us to see if we really need it because he knows we all do. Sometimes Christians are accused of being exclusive. And if we are, or if someone thinks our faith is exclusive, they clearly haven't grasped this verse because it's to all. Who would receive him it's open to everyone you continue through john's story and you'll see it include people who have the real inside track to god like nicodemus but it also includes the, the people that the good crowd would turn away like the samaritan woman at the well in chapter four one of the things that caused scandal in the societies in which the first christians lived and served was that they didn't have much respect for the social structures of the day they would have slaves and householders in the one church and they would all be on the same equal footing because they took Jesus at his word and said that when it comes to being a child of God, all of those categories that we come up with are irrelevant. There was no need for special skill, brain power, background, moral history. It was open to anyone who believed that what Jesus says is true. And would allow that to shape their lives and follow them. But the other thing about this identity is that it's guaranteed by God. It's not based on anything human. It's rooted in what God has done for us. It's not based on what other people think of us. It's not based on how other people value us. It's not based on how we value ourselves. It's not based on how, or it's based on how God values us. And the fact that he sent his one and only son into the world for us suggests that we are pretty precious to him. He values us highly. So many of the things around which we build our identity are based on human decisions. So your boss can say, I'm sorry, we can't afford to keep you anymore. Your spouse can say, I don't love you anymore. I want the divorce. And so much of those parts of our identity are based on how people feel about us. And that's liable to change. 
however reliable and faithful we feel people are, they can let us down. But the same isn't true of our God-given identity as a child of God. It's not based on how others think of us or what we think of ourselves. It's based on God and he doesn't change and won't change. God is trustworthy, dependable, reliable. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. God won't change his mind about us. If God has said that if we will believe in him and in Jesus and receive him and trust what he says is true and do it. And if he says he will give us the power to know that he is our father and he says that we can have an intimate relationship with him, that stands and it won't change. And because it's not based on anyone else, nobody can take it away from us. So we can become very familiar with the words we've read this morning. You know, we have probably been to enough carol services, midnight masses, whatever. We've heard them so often we, become, we can become quite blasé about them. And we live in a culture which is very aware of its rights. We might complain about how our rights are being limited from time to time. But we've got very used to having them. That's what's made some of the last few weeks quite difficult, isn't it? That we are not able to do what we want, when we want, how we want. It's very unusual for us. And we can come to value so much of all the other identity stuff. Our status, our job, our rank. Who thinks we're great and so on. And we can value that much more than our status as child of God. But all those things are passing. Jesus said it's those who cling to their lives, who try to base their life around those things that lose them. Not as some kind of punishment. It's just the nature of life and those things. They're passing. But those who base their identity around what God thinks of them, they're resting on something that cannot be taken away from them. And a bit like the born identity with which I began. There'll be others, perhaps not deliberately, but others nonetheless, who will do what they can to stop us realising what God thinks of us. Some of those voices will tell us we're insignificant. Others will tell us we're, we're worthless. One of those voices will probably be our own sometimes. We might not even value ourselves that highly. I guess the question for us today and over these next few weeks is whether we're prepared to remain blasé and passive about this offer that Jesus came to bring us. Are we willing to continue listening to those voices that try to stop us discovering who we are in God's eyes? Or will we take Jesus at his word and believe what he says? Are we willing to receive his message and live out the life Jesus called us to live? If we will, Jesus says we'll be drawn into ever closer relationship with God as our father and discover the identity he came to give us. And we'll become a child of God. Grace and peace to you. Amen.